Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Well, happy uh, Labor Day weekend, church. Man, hope that you are doing well. Maybe looking forward to some time off tomorrow. Uh, Man, to be with friends and family. We're honored that you would choose to be a part of our family today. Uh, Whether you've been with us one time and today's the first day or you've been with us a hundred times, man, we consider you family and love that you're a part of what God's doing here, uh, man, across our family called The Exchange. Today, we're going to wrap up uh, our series that we've been in over the last five weeks together. Uh, It's been a long five weeks, but it's been a rich five weeks called Bigger Than Me. Um, throughout this series, we have been tackling the truth that we were created by God on purpose with a purpose, that we were created by God on purpose with a purpose. Uh, the mission of the exchange is to see people exchange old life for new life in Christ and then live out their purpose. And so here's what that means, practically speaking, that we want to be a people and a place and a movement who see people, men, be rescued from an old life of sin and self and shame and that they would find a life of hope and joy and purpose in Christ, but that it wouldn't stop there. Okay, that we would not just find life in him, but then ultimately that we would begin to live out a God-designed, unique purpose for our life. That God didn't just call us into relationship with him, but he called us to a purpose to live out through him. See, the greatest tragedy of your life would be for you to get to that place where you understand your need for Jesus, as many of you have have probably come to that place, that you would say, God, I surrender myself to you, maybe even go so far as take the step of baptism as many did last week, and then your spiritual life just stops there. Just comes to a stalemate there. Maybe Maybe you attend church pretty regularly and you read your Bible or pray whenever life gets hard and you need some answers. But the tragedy would be that you, you would miss the purpose, the God-designed unique creation purpose that he has created you to live for. And so this series has been all about kind of uncovering this really big purpose that God has uniquely set apart for every single person in the room. And we've seen that there's a big purpose for all of us as a whole, but, but it, it gets very personal and unique for you. And so throughout this series, we've been uncovering different parts of that purpose. In week one, if you're with us, we said, um, man, you were not created as an accident, but you were created on purpose. God knew what he was doing when he created you. And this underlying foundation is that God created you to know him and to make him known, to know him and to make him known. Uh, Week two, we said that God's purpose for you is for you to, man, be a part of his family. God longs for you to be in his family. And we do that in two ways. One, by having a relationship with Christ. And then second, by being a part of a local church family, by being connected and committed. God has a purpose for you in that. Um, in week three, we saw that God's created us for a purpose to serve him with our lives. Then I mean, last week, we had 120 people do that across the weekend, all throughout our community. It was awesome. But in week three, we also said, man, you have a, you have a purpose to live out within our church family. Like God's given you gifts and talents and experience to serve the body of believers. Week four, last week, uh, if you missed it, man, as we celebrated baptism, it was a powerful part of the purpose, and that is that God's created you to grow in him. In other words, your life should not look the same in Christ as it did a year ago. If it does, something's not working. Okay, God's created you to grow in him, to grow in Christ's likeness. So today that kind of all sets us up for this fifth and final purpose um, that's a part of this Bigger Than Me series. And here it is. God's purpose for you is for you to live on mission. God's purpose for you and for me is for you to live 
on mission. We were created for a mission. The reality is God is at work in the world and he wants us to join him in it. He's inviting you to join him in the mission. So we could call this assignment our mission. Now, Two weeks ago, we can't get this confused. Two weeks ago, we said that the purpose is that we would serve God with our lives. And that is part of the purpose, that we would serve him. So we could call that our, our ministry. You see, our ministry is how we use our time and our talents and our gifts to serve other believers within the church. Our mission is how we go and serve unbelievers and the world. And God has given you both, a ministry and a mission in him. Now, our English word mission comes from the Latin word for sending, for sending. So part of our role as Christ followers is to be sent into the world on mission as representatives of Jesus. Um, I want you to look with me, John 20, verse 21. Jesus says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And here's our phrase. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. In other words, Jesus told his disciples in this moment, like, guys, get ready. Like, I'm about to send you on a mission. And the same thing is true still for you and me today, that God sends us on mission. Our call as Jesus' church is to carry out Jesus' mission that he carried out in the world. So in other words, what Jesus did in his physical body, we now carry on as the body of Christ, as the church. So if he's called us to live on mission, what is it? Like if it's such a big deal, what, what is that mission? If we had to boil it down to it, what is it? Well, I think we have to go no further than the foundational passage that really started this whole body of believers called the exchange. Um, it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want us to see three verses from that passage that I think give us. It just lays it on the table. Here's the mission. And so here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verse 8, 18 says. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, and all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. In other words, what the old would be made new, exchange old for new, that's the gift. Now here's the mission, you ready? And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ and he reconciled the world to himself. He no longer counted people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we now, we are Christ ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So Paul tells the believers at Corinth, and he tells you and me today, he goes, here's the mission. You ready? Your mission is to invite people into relationship with God. Your mission and mine is to invite people into relationship with with God. We just read it. We see it all throughout the narrative of scripture. What did Jesus do? I mean, Jesus came on a rescue redemption message. He came to rescue people from the power of Satan, and he came to redeem them and reconcile them back to relationship with God. Sin had created such a barrier that there's an eternal place of separation, and Jesus came on a rescue mission. And what it says is that if you are in Christ now, then he is sending you on mission. Or I love the way I heard one pastor put it. He says, man, when you get rescued, you immediately become a part of the rescue team. So if you're in Christ, he's given you a mission to live out, and that is to invite people into relationship with God. Verse 18 even says that we're called Christ ambassadors, that he would choose us as his representatives to live out this mission. Now, what I want to do today is I want to give you some reasons why this is important for your life, because some of you just went, 
not me, all right? I'm not a missionary. I got a lot going on. I'm busy. We do church things on Sundays, right? And I want to tell you today, I want you to see some reasons from Scripture on why, no, it is for you, okay? It is for everybody who's in Christ that there's a mission that God's called you to, young, old, married, single, wherever you are. So today, I want us to see some five different truths, and the first one is this, that your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. Your mission, mine, is a continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. Now, we stated that just a second ago, um, but I want to dive into it a little bit deeper here. See, Jesus calls us as people not just to come to him, but he also says to go for him. Now, sometimes we want to stop it at the first part. He doesn't just say, come to me, but he says, go for me. And Jesus repeats this mission five different times in five different ways in five different books of the Bible. In other words, he took it seriously. And I don't have time to break down every single passage today, but I want to read just a little snippet from each of these passages, and I want you to see if you can figure out a theme that Jesus speaks here in these um, verses. Now, we're going to go quick. Matthew 28, verse 19, this says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke 24, 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Acts 1, 8, our fifth one. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you notice the theme in those five verses? Go, be sent to all people, to all nations, to the ends of the world. In other words, our purpose is to live on mission, and to live on mission, we must live lives that are sent, lives that are willing to go. Now, sometimes that means going across the street. Sometimes that means going to the next cubicle or to the next guy at your job site. And sometimes that means going to the other side of the world. But listen to me. It's impossible for us to argue today that a relationship with Christ means trusting Christ, dropping into church every once in a while, and that's it. Scripture says today that's missing the mission. That's disobedient to the mission because to live on mission means to be ready and willing to go. Now, here's where it gets cloudy sometimes, especially in our really church culture that we live in. Um, we read verses like what we read a second ago, Matthew 28, 19, and it says, what, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And we read something like that. We're like, well, ain't that what the preacher gets paid for? Or isn't that what the missionaries do? Like the people who are called by God. Okay, and I'm not called by God. That's what they do, Right. But man, to, to, to believe that for a second is to totally miss the God-designed purpose that, that God has created you for. You see, if you're a part of God's family, you call yourself a, a Christian, a follower of Christ, then this mission is not a suggestion, but in other words, it's a mandate from God to live on mission. Now, something that you may not realize is that, man, Scripture tells us that God actually holds us responsible for the unbelievers who live around us. In the Old Testament, there's a passage in Ezekiel chapter 3 as God speaks to his people. In Ezekiel 3.18, listen to what God says. He says, if I warn the wicked, those are far from me, saying you are under the penalty of death, but you, you as my people, you fail to deliver the warning they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. Can I give you a thought today? 
the reality is you may be the only Christ follower that someone in your world ever really knows. There may be somebody in your sphere of influence that God has assigned you meant to impact and to point their heart and invite them into a relationship with God. Our mission was Jesus' mission. It's a continuation of what Jesus lived out his life on earth. Now, there's a second truth today, and it's this. Your mission is an incredible privilege. The mission that we've been invited into is an incredible privilege. Now, yes, it's a massive responsibility to be a part of what God is doing in the world, no doubt. But it's a privilege, too. And there's joy in that. Uh, Look with me again, 2 Corinthians 5, 18. I want us to read it this time um, in the Living Bible. I love how it's phrased. It says, God has given us the privilege. Love that phrase. God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and to be reconciled to him. And our mission of inviting people into relationship with God, it carries two, two parts of privilege. One, to work with God, and two, to be a representative of God. Scripture goes so far uh, as to call us co-laborers with Christ, that we're co-workers with God. Um, maybe you've had some interesting co-workers before. Chances are, like, you, you've all had some interesting co-workers before. Some of you, like, maybe you work at a smaller office and there's just, like, a handful of people or at your job site. Some of you work for big companies. Like, you got hundreds of people that are uh, at your workplace, and we can just all agree today, yes, we've worked with some very interesting people. How many of you, okay, we can rat them out. You don't have to give names, but, like, how many of you work, you work with the talker? Like, there's just somebody that's right there, just chat, 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 chatty Kathy. Like, you, you know who they are. Just raise your hand proud. Just in their honor today at church, you're not going to have to say their name. A lot more hands going up now that you realize you don't have to say their name, okay? But, like, you, you purposefully have to avoid them at the office or at the job site just so you can get something done, right? You're like, turn down the hall, and you're like, here we go, we're going this way, just to try to get something done. What about this? How many of you, you work with the, uh, with the slow worker? Like they're just, man, they like, if they could just drink some caffeine, do something a little bit quicker. And they're the people that you never want to get put on the same project with them because you're like, dude, seriously, I could get this thing done in half the time if I could just do it by myself. Anybody work with them? What about this one? This one's always just beautiful. Everybody, every workplace has this. What about the dramatic coworker, drama queen, all right, at your office, right? You know who that is? Like whether they're bringing it from home uh, or they just started at the office, like drama is just always there around them. They're just a magnet for it. Okay, you work with those people. Some of you, like, you didn't raise your hands on any of those. You're like, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. It may be you. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you may be the dramatic, talkative, slow worker all right, at your office. Just You may need to ask somebody, I don't know, Tuesday when you go back. Just, is that me? Is that me? Yeah, that's you. <laughs> that's you. Hey, listen, we, man, we work with some, with some different people, don't we? And we understand, man, God created unique personalities, and that's a beautiful thing. But here's what Scripture says. Man, when you get this purpose thing and you live on mission, you're co-workers with God. You're co-laborers with him. You've been given the greatest mission in the world with the God of the world to invite people into relationship with him. We are co-workers with him and we understand that our mission is an incredible privilege. Now, third truth today is this. Your mission carries eternal significance. 
This mission in the world that God's invited us into, I mean, it carries eternal significance. Now, across the hundreds of people um, that call the exchange their spiritual house, I mean, we've got a lot of people who do a lot of really important things in our, in our community, in our state, and, and even in our country, in our world. Uh, we've got some teachers and, and principals and administrators who lead and teach and impact um, in the next generation. Like every day, man, they're investing in our students, and that's a huge role. We've got some, a lot of military members who are part of our spiritual house. And man, praise God for them um, who give their very life to provide safety and freedom for us as, as Americans. Uh, we've got in our house, we've got people who are um, community leaders who help influence laws and regulations and policies that get set for our community. Uh, and we've even got business leaders, man, CEOs of companies who are part of our family who literally help the economic impact of our community. So we've got a lot of super important people who carry important roles in our community and our state. But I want you to realize this, church, when we individually, when we live out our purpose by living on mission, you create eternal impact in the lives of other people. And there is no J-O-B of this earth that carries the eternal weight of what God has called you into. That there is eternal impact and there is no role of this earth that creates the lasting impact of what God has invited us into with him. And in scripture, Jesus speaks about the urgency of this mission. Look with me. John 9 verse 4 says this. Jesus says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. Jesus wasn't talking about Labor Day, okay? Jesus isn't speaking about your work as an electrician or a teacher or a banker, but Jesus is warning us to tell you this God-designed mission that he's given to every single one of us. He says, the clock is ticking. There will be a deadline where it will be no more. There'll be an end to it. So we, we can't make excuses to go, well, like, man, I'll really start living my life on mission for God when we get a little bit older, like when the kids move out or things get a little more established or things at work are a little more stable. No, he says, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're in the mission if you're in Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to quit your job to become a full-time evangelist. Maybe God calls you to ministry. Maybe he doesn't. But more than that, God wants you to understand that you're called to live on mission wherever you are, wherever he's planted you. Whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a construction worker, a CEO, a salesperson, a retired person, God's purpose for you is for you to live on mission with whoever God puts in your path, wherever he has put you in life. And I love watching, man, just the obedience of the family that God's building here at the exchange. Just literally over the last couple of weeks, man, I get to hear stories of celebration in places where people are walking in obedience as they're living out their mission. Um, and just literally over the last couple of weeks, I heard about one guy who engaged his mechanic and prayed for him and had a spiritual conversation with him and invited him to the exchange. About one guy who interacted with his bank teller as he cashed his paycheck and had a chance to have a conversation about Jesus. There's another grandmother who got to know a kid's mom at her grandkids football practice and engaged her as they were new to our community, invited her to a relationship with God. Or there's a high school student who engaged another kid in a conversation about Jesus in his history class at school, praise God. Or just this past week, Man, we had a group of ladies, a life group of our ladies who were at the mall hanging out together, doing life, and they connected with a woman that they ran into there and engaged her in spiritual conversation and invited her to be a part of our family. 
See, God's called you to live on mission. Sometimes that might mean going to the other side of the world, but sometimes that might mean just being obedient right where he's planted you to be. See, when we realize the eternal significance of this mission that it carries, I believe we'll, we'll, we'll live with a little bit of urgency. Imagine with me for a second that, that you somehow knew you learned about the cure to an incurable disease. And then you found that your coworker or your neighbor got that disease. Would it not be criminal for you to withhold the cure from this person who has this disease? I mean, how much more so for those of us who are in Christ, who know the hope of eternal forgiveness and peace and joy and purpose and life in him, how much more so for us to withhold that from those people that God's planted us around? the people that he's purposed us to live on mission with. But I believe many times that the barrier for us is that the problem is in our, in our overchurch culture is that we as Christians, man, we forget what life was like without Christ. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 10 or 20 or maybe even 30 years. And it's so easy to forget the hopelessness of life without him. But can I tell you something, man, that class worker, that classmate, that coworker, that neighbor, it doesn't matter how put together they may seem on the outside, how successful in the world's eyes they may be. I mean, if they are doing life apart from Christ internally, they are hopeless and separated from God and his purpose for their life. And God has given you an eternal significant mission to impact them with your life. See, a Fourth truth today that we can't miss is that your mission gives your life meaning. When you live on mission, it gives meaning to your life. And if we go back to week one, that's where we started the series was we're like, hey, if we can realize our purpose, then we find out we got meaning in life. And maybe if some of you are honest, there's a lot of days where you feel like you just go through the grind and the motions of life all to make it to the pillow at night. And that's the finish line. Can I tell you something, man? God wants you to live for something that matters, something that has meaning. A great um, American thinker named William James said this one time, the best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. That's a good quote. The best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. Can I tell you something today? The truth is only the kingdom of God is going to last. Scripture tells us that everything else of the world will, fan- will vanish. Your job, your bank account, where you are on the org chart at work, your education, all of those things that can be good will ultimately vanish and only what God has established will stand. And that's why as a good dad, he looks at us as his kids and he goes, man, I want you to come be a part of this thing that's going to last. This thing that's going to get mad, this is going to matter, it's going to stand eternally. But then we start running back to all this other temporary stuff and he's like, no, 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 I got to pull you back in. He's a good dad who invites us into something that gives us meaning. But if we fail, hear me, if we fail to live out our God-given mission on earth, then ultimately we waste the one life that we've been given. We miss it. But I love how Paul says this. Paul's so passionate. And in Acts 20, listen to Paul's words, Acts 20, 24. He says, but my life, my life's worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What is that, Paul? What's the mission? Man, it's the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. 
student, mom, dad, do you realize that there are people on earth that perhaps only you will be able to reach because of where God's put you and because of who he's made you to be? There may be somebody in your world that only God created and assigned you to reach them. Think about this. Man, what if just one person, just one person in your life found out the hope of eternity because of God using you? Would you not have lived for something that was bigger than you? Did you not have lived for something that was eternally significant? But you see, here's what I know. So many times we get we complain because we live in this selfish, sinful flesh. And so we complain about the house we live in or the neighborhood where God's put us or the place we got to go to work every day or the school that we go to. Listen, what if this perspective shift happened today and all of a sudden we begin to realize that perhaps for a season, maybe for a season, God's put you in that house that you live in, in the neighborhood where you are at that job where you go to or in that school classroom that you're a part of so that so that he could use you in this season to create an eternal impact in the life of somebody else. And what, I mean, it would be crazy, but like what, what if as you go back to school and work this week, what if your prayer begin to change to go, God, thank you for where you've put me. God, God, thank you for the, the blessing of this place where I am or this opportunity I'm in. And so God, would you open my eyes to see who is that person that you're calling me to impact so that I can live on mission and walk out my purpose? You see, God has created you to live One mission, and that mission is to invite people into that relationship with him. But I want to give you a fifth and final truth today, and it's it's this one. We can't miss it. It's this. Your mission will cost you something. Your mission, the mission God's given me, it'll cost you something. Now, when you live on mission and you obediently walk out your purpose, you ultimately have to get to a place where you go, man, I'm laying down my agenda. And I'm picking up God's agenda for my life. And I'm going to walk in your plans and your purposes for me, God, whatever that means. See, Jesus was the ultimate example of this. As he stepped onto earth all the way to the cross, Jesus walked in the Father's plan for him. Who? For you and for me. And Jesus would pray these words just moments before his arrest and crucifixion. Listen to what Jesus prays. One of his most real prayers in all of scripture, Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus says, Father, Daddy, if you're willing, take this cup from me. In other words, God, if we can do it in any other way, let's do that way. But then he prays this. Yet God, Daddy, Father, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus demonstrated that a life on mission means a life of surrender that costs us something. And I believe when we begin to live that way, we begin to pray, God, not my will, not my plans, not my purposes, but God, your will and your plans and your purposes. And God, would you achieve them through me? You see, a a person who lives on mission, they pray differently. Check this out. Rather than praying, hey, God, I'm going to do this thing over here. Would you come on and bless it? They begin to pray, hey, God, show me where you're working, where you're already blessing, and let me join you in it. See, God is at work in the world, and he invites you 
and me to join him for a life that matters as we live on mission. And I love the way that Paul says it in Romans 6.13 in the Living Bible. He says, give yourselves completely to God. Completely. All of you. Every part of you. For you are back from death. You've been rescued and now you've been called. You want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. Living out your purpose and living on mission, it'll cost you something. And maybe you're a student in the room today, elementary, junior high, high school. Maybe for you, maybe what it looks like is it cost you from being maybe connected to the the cool or the popular crowd at school, whatever you term that, because you live a life that is intentional about maybe engaging some students who are a little bit outsiders because you're trying to live on mission. Hey, work in person, maybe for you, maybe it means that you have to turn down the promotion at work that, yeah, it's more money, but it's more travel and more time away. And you know that God's called you to primarily the mission of investing in your own family and living out your purpose in your church. Maybe it means that you don't get to buy the brand new car, that you got to buy the the older used car because it's going to allow you to live generously with the resources that God's given you. Or, Or maybe it means that you have to give up one night a week that, man, you'd really like to keep that for yourself. But God's called you to invest in the life of a new believer and to make disciples. You see, living on mission, it costs you something. It'll cost you something. But can I I give us this reminder today? So worth it. So worth it. Pastor Rick Warren tells the story about his dad who was in the ministry for over 50 years He uh, served a ton of smaller rural churches. And Rick Warren says that one of his dad's favorite things to do as he followed Jesus was he led mission trips all around the world to help build church buildings for smaller congregations. And he would lead a team and they would build a building and then they would go again. And and over the course of his life, they helped build 150 churches around the world. Crazy. But he's living it out faithfully. In 1999, uh, Rick Warren's dad developed cancer and he passed away. But as he reflects on the final weeks, the final months of his dad's life, he says that his dad was in this semi-conscious state where he was really kind of like awake a little bit and, and also not there fully. Almost 24 hours a day, he'd be awake. And as Rick sat next to his bed, he said that, in many, many days, he would, he would dream back. He would have these visions back of those church building trips that he went on when he would go on mission. And, and his dad would, would kind of talk about them in this semi-conscious state that he was in. And Rick Warren says one day when there's a good bit of family there in the room, his dad tried to get up and get out of the bed. He got real active and he started moving, and, and they, but he was too weak to walk. And so they said, Mr. Warren, no, 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 you got, you got to lay back down. You got, you got to stay here. They said, well, what, what, what are you, where are you going? Like, what are, what are you trying to do? What do you need? And he says, I got, I got to save one more. I got I to save one more for Jesus. I got I to save one more for Jesus. And Rick Warren says that his dad, over the next hour, probably repeated that phrase a hundred times. God, God, I got to save one more. God, I got to save one more for Jesus. And Rick says as he sat at his dad's bedside, man, just weeping, in gratitude for the faithfulness of his dad's life. He said his dad reached out from the bed, reached out his frail hand, and he put it on top of Rick's. And he said, save one more. Save one more for Jesus. 
Rick said in that moment, he vowed to make that the mission of his life, that he would do whatever it took to allow God to use him to save one more. Some of you may know that Rick planted and he pastors a church in California called Saddleback Church. And about a month ago, Saddleback celebrated their 50,000th person baptized in the last 38 years. See, Rick, because of his father's faith and his final words and his obedience to God, he's, he's found joy and he's found purpose in living life sold out on mission. So what about you? What about you? And if you're honest today, could you say, man, I'm, I'm living life on mission. Man, wherever God's planted me in the world, man, I'm inviting other people into a relationship with God. Or maybe if you were real today and you got honest, you'd go, man, maybe not so much. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so caught up like in just the busyness of life and work and family and kids and school and we're making money and then we're trying to find some happiness in the middle of it that maybe really you're just living for you. Can I remind you of something today, church? I mean, God did not just create you to be an elementary student or a junior high or high school or college student. God didn't just give you a role in the world as a husband or a wife or a mom or dad or grandparent. God doesn't just allow you to be the CEO of a company or a general contractor or a construction worker. God doesn't just give you the role of being a teacher or a plumber or an electrician or, or, or wherever God's placed you in the world, but God has given you a mission. In fact, he's given you his mission, his mission. To invite other people into that saving relationship with God that hopefully you have. So let me give you a question to ponder. How you doing? How you doing at living out the mission? Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about the exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.